Welcome to Crafty Sourcer. If you're looking for a raw, unfiltered podcast on all things sourcing in APAC, you've come to the right place. Grab a coffee or wine and join your host and other guests as we dive deep into the complex and ever-evolving world of sourcing, keeping you informed on insights, tools, and even at times, a healthy sourcing debate or two. Now, here's your host, Denise Pereira from Kaleidosource. Settle in and let's get crafty. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode four of The Crafty Sourcer. This week we have someone who is not only known as one of the go-to sourcers here in Australia, we call him the LeBron James of sourcing pretty much, but is also one of my closest friends, Dej Tulasi. Dej, welcome my friend and so great to have you be part of this podcast. And ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so proud that you're like, you know, you've started this up and yeah, I've been listening to a few of the um, episodes as well. So congratulations, yeah. firstly. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, for, I always uh, did, I, I'm not sure if you've heard any of the other episodes, but I love giving people a bit of background as to, you know, how I know someone or how I've connected with them. So for anyone that doesn't know this, Dej and I are actually longtime friends. So we first uh, met back at when we were working at Coles back in 2018, when that was the first time Coles had brought their uh, recruitment function back in-house. And it was the first time they had set up a sourcing function, if you remember. And Dej was one of the first people they hired as a sourcer. And I was the second. And Dij and I just clicked from from day dot, and we've stayed friends ever since, you know. Um, so, and I, the other thing I wanted to share was, um, and Dij, feel free to add on here, is earlier this year, Dij and I were talking about starting a podcast, uh, very similar to this one, which was going to highlight a lot about sourcing. And the funny thing is, the name we chose was called Double D. Uh, <laughs> and the tagline was one size doesn't fit all because that's what sourcing is. But the double D would stand for Dej and myself. So I just wanted to share that just to let you know that Dej and I are really close friends and we really highly respect each other and value each other, um, you know, in every aspect. So Dej, thank you once again. And for us to sort of kick this off, let's get into it. Dej, quick intro. Who is Dej and how did you fall in love with sourcing? Uh. <laughs> Thanks, um, Panda. Thanks for the <laughs> warm introduction. Everybody's going to um, call me Panda now. So, yeah, I think you covered it in your, um, you know, guess who. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so firstly, um, a foodie. Um, love my Nando's, as you would know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we used to always go eat, eat Nando's all the time. And, Hell um, yeah. Yeah, love my breakfast, Nando's. Um, also love traveling as well. Just got back recently mm. uh, from a holiday. Amazing. And, um, yeah, love watching LeBron James and uh, <laughs> watching the basketball and a bit of cricket. And, um, yeah, that's just a bit about me from a personal sort of front. Amazing. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else uh, in terms of a bit more about me. Yeah, nice. And, and did, how did you fall in love with sourcing? Like what kind of really made you pivot into that part of um, talent acquisition? Well, I guess even from an agency standpoint, there's always been mm. an element of sourcing, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I guess early on in my career, that whole sourcing piece, I found it to be the most interesting part. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like a puzzle to me, like to find candidates, 
Um, and I guess I was relentless, um, you know, as a, even as a junior to find the right type of candidate, bring exactly. the best people in. Um, and I guess moving into internal at that time, there wasn't specifically a sourcing role, mm. but I always knew that's what I sort of really enjoyed and that's what kind of gave me that flow state. Yeah. Um, and I guess BP was the first role, I'll say that, kind of introduced me into a more specific type of sourcing role where yeah. I was working on some type of projects, sourcing-related projects and things of that nature. Yeah. And then um, going into Coles, that was fully-fledged um, sourcing, as you would know. Mm-hmm. Um, had an awesome time at Coles, obviously met you. That was a blessing. And, um, yeah, and then that's how it sort of all started. So mm-hmm. sourcing's mm-hmm. always kind of been there. But I guess more recently it's kind of, um, yeah, being just part of my awesome. DNA and yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And you know, for the folks that are listening, um, Dej was by far he nailed it. He killed it at goals. Like everybody would go to Dej. Like not even me. Like if it, if it was digital and tech, we were in different parts of portfolios within goals. Everybody would go to Dej. Like he absolutely was the LeBron James of sourcing. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. And did you, you know, we all have our perspective and our perception about sourcing and, you know, sourcing as individuals is very dear in terms of how we perceive it, how we do it and how we obviously, um, you know, encourage others to look at it um, from from doing it as well. So personally, what is sourcing to you when when you put your sourcing hat on and what is the value you think it can bring to any organization? Yeah, it's quite interesting, right? Because Sourcing to a lot of people, um, and even to myself initially, like when I kind of first entered into Coles, for instance, right, Mm. Um, you know, people generally think of sourcing as just bullion string and Mm -hmm. declining candidates, but Mm. it's very much more than that, Mm -hmm. right? And um, as I've progressed in sourcing, I've realised that it's it's a strategic arm, it's a strategic function. Um, We're being more proactive. Right, mm-hmm. rather than being reactive mm-hmm. um, working in an end-to-end capacity you kind of really get to see you know sourcing we do get to do it in an end-to-end sort of capacity but not mm-hmm. in the same sort of way as a fully fledged sourcer would be able to do it so there's some key components I would say there is to sourcing which is around sort of educating the hiring managers and yeah. working with the hiring managers as well for them to really understand sourcing Mm. And really to sort of grasp, you know, how we work, um, even if we're getting passive candidates in, into the interview process, how mm. to interview them. Mm. Then there's the whole data and analytics and insights part of it. Absolutely. There's, um, also the element of, yes, finding the candidates and bringing them in and nurturing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's more of a strategic fu- function to answer the question. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, sourcing is evolving day by day like even now if you look at it sometimes you know it's no longer even just about finding the candidate it's about how we engage with them at what time are we engaging with these people are we engaging with them in such a way where we can elicit a response from them because you know we are on the other flip side of it and the candidate is on the other side whereas they have more control over versus what we do so, but we are still in a seat where we can drive a lot of those outcomes, right? And you you touched on data and data is 
is and is always going to be an important part of our role. Um, but the good thing is we can pick and choose at what point we, we actually bring out that ammunition and present that to the business. And usually it is always at the start of our process, you know. Um, and this is why it's always good to use your sources from the start instead of using us as the last resort. And we see this happen in a lot of functions, you know, where they tend to use sources as the last resort versus using us from the get-go, uh, which is where we can add so much more value to that. So thanks for sharing that, Ditch. Um, you're obviously the, the talent sourcing manager at Slalom. So you've led, rolled out a function there for Australia. And, you know, you've had some really good successes over there. Um, you know, when you and I sort of caught up a while back, uh, you mentioned you're doing the same in other markets. Are you happy to sort of share with, with us, you know, how is that going? And maybe kind of deep dive a little about, you know, what exactly have you been doing in those other markets? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, Slalom, um, just giving a bit more sort of context to mm. the viewers, um, because yes. a lot of people might not have heard of who Slalom is. Yes, please. So I guess we're a consultancy company, um, global consultancy company, um, quite big in North America and um, the other markets as well, relatively mm. new in the APAC region. So mm -hmm. I guess two years ago, we decided to launch, um, well, not two years ago, now three years ago, I'm so back on time. So three years ago, we decided to launch into Australia. So I guess the sourcing function's been around for two years now. So yeah. I guess initially when I started and I was speaking to candidates and reaching out to candidates, mm. no one knew who Slalom was. Everyone's mm. like, who are you guys? Mm, what do you mm. guys actually do? So it's been a bit of a journey and um, we had to obviously put all the frameworks, everything in place, educate the hiring managers, the team. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a bit of a stepping stone and and um, building on the, those stepping stones and building out that function. Mm. So what's happened is in the last couple of years, we've done all the groundworks. Um, we've done quite a bit in terms of um, building that brand awareness through sourcing mm. as well, uh, which has led to, um, you know, brand awareness and presence, et cetera. Um, and we're getting a lot of candidates coming back to us. So mm. all these candidates that we engaged with a year ago or two years ago, they want to work for us. Yeah. And um, so all of the fruit of our labour at that point is starting to really sort of work and people are wanting to come and work for the business. And a lot of, a lot of the time they're diverse candidates as well, which is a win-win for us yeah, being nice. a consultancy company. Yeah. So I guess just that's just to give a bit of content. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Had great success. Um, in the Australian market. So we decided um, to bring the same sort of concept over to the other regions like Japan Amazing. and New Zealand. So right now we're kind of focusing more on the Japan market. So mm. the whole piece of work that we're doing, similar to what we did in the Australian market um, to the Japan market. Mm. And we're making grounds and we're making an impact and the team's doing such a great job. Um, you know, and we're starting to sort of, yeah, get some really good candidates in the mix. Mm into the mm. interview process and so on. Yeah. So with the Japan market, because I know the Japanese market is very, very different, right? And it's also a very hard market to crack into. So what are some of the strategies that you've used at a high level that have been particularly innovative or successful so far? And or maybe just talk through some of the data that you've seen that, you know, if you compare it to what you've done successfully in Australia, that's probably work or is, is working really well for that sort of um, region for you? Sorry, not region, but country for you? 
Yeah, well, it's it's definitely a different beast, like mm. a, it's completely different to what I've ever imagined. <laughs> so when I initially joined the business and I was speaking to a few of my colleagues in Japan, um, yeah. they were telling me how difficult it is. And I kind of underestimated how difficult Japan might be. And mm. hearing from them at that stage, um, yeah, so going and now actively sourcing in Japan with the team, mm. I've realised that, you know, you need like 17 different touch points for <laughs> candidate to actually, wow. yeah, to sort of engage with you. So, 17? Yeah, that's sort wow. of the average. So, um, yeah, you need like 17 different sort of touch points. In some cases, you know, candidates might come back straight away, but but on average, it's like 17 different sort of touch points. So, wow. and traditionally speaking, a lot of the candidates stay within the same role mm. from the time that they start all mm. the way through mm. their career. So yeah. from a cultural standpoint, um, it's just a little bit different. So yeah. I guess what we're sort of doing is that we're going, we did this whole research activity, um, mm-hmm. we looked at um, key data, metrics, what works, what entices mm. um, candidates, um, best way to engage. So there was a whole core piece of Amazing. different types of research that we did and broke down to the business. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to explore that research piece and Amazing. starting to make waves. Yeah, that's really good. It's really interesting. So you mentioned 17 touch points. Now, when you go anything above 12, for me, that's like, normally this is more of a sales tactic, right? To start engaging with people and trying to get some sort of buy-in from them. So is that role dependent, those those sort of 17 touch points, or is it just how it works out there? It's just how it works out there. So yeah. we we were part of a LinkedIn webinar and um, just to get a bit more sort of context mm. around mm. and side around J- Japan market. Mm. And they were giving us these key data points and I, I was like, yeah. and I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's just how it is. Um, in Japan, so wow. it's very traditional in the way that they sort of operate, and it's slowly spreading. Hmm. You know, it's it's slowly changing, but yeah. you know, yeah, but it's just how it is. And that also means that you have to change tactics from a sourcing side. You've got to change tactics from an engagement perspective. You have to change tactics. I remember when I was at Zendesk, and um, you know, we were going a lot more into the Japan market as well from a go-to-market strategy. But I remember there was a role that I was helping out um, the Singapore team on, but we were hiring in Japan and they needed someone who spoke Japanese. Now, as part of the interview process, we actually had to bring someone from within the team who spoke Japanese because as part of the criteria, we had to make sure that the other person that we were hiring also spoke Japanese as well, Um, which was really weird. But it was also very eye-opening at the same time that you have to really, depending on the region that you're hiring in, you have to really then change your tactics and your strategy as well. And you, it's again, it's about where you're hiring and who you're hiring as well. It's not just about the business. So that's where you change strategy. So that's actually really interesting that you all have done a whole R&D piece around that. And based on that research, you all are now going in with your strategy. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. So yeah. it's the talent sourcing strategy, um, the team, we sort of came together, we put it together mm. and um, we're trialing it and we're seeing, mm. you know, where we're getting the best sort of return and investment. Yeah. And as part of that strategy, Dij, is is it just sourcing involved? Is it is it the recruitment team? Is it the hiring managers? Is everybody involved as part of that process to make sure that they're getting the best outcomes 
in a region that you'll haven't really tapped just yet? So there's some key components to arrive. So part mm. of the talent sourcing strategy, we sort of highlighted um, there's the whole employer branding piece. So similar to mm. a lot mm. of candidates don't know who Slalom is um, yeah. in the Japan market. So mm. we need to sort of make sure that we're really creating that buzz and content um, mm. to the Japan market. So that's mm. one piece right then mm. we're looking at the technologies and job yeah. boards and the forums and things of that nature where we can sort of really establish um you know where the candidates are and yeah so that's another key piece mm. then there's the element of okay cool what do candidates want um mm. in that, you know in that region what mm-hmm. sort of interests them and then we're working with the hiring managers to sort of really use their networks as well and be the ambassadors um, and really sort of um, drive their networks to yeah. sort of come into the interview process and um, for us to sort of leverage off their networks. Yeah, interesting. I'm loving this data and good luck with, with everything that um, you all are doing in the Japanese market. Now, obviously, as sources, we know that uh, we can't do anything without having the right tools or platforms. In your opinion, and for you especially, you know, what sort of tools or platforms do you find indispensable for sourcing and should be in every recruiter's and sourcer's toolkit, especially if they're they're doing a lot more sourcing in their day-to-day roles? Yeah, there's a few. So so outside of um, just the normal LinkedIn, I reckon Octohunt, um, Mm -hmm. the Google CSE, there's um, DB developers, there's, um, you know, obviously X-ray searching. There's, there's, There's a few that just comes yeah. to mind is do you have a preference over one over the other that you use a lot more i like google um csa that gives a real yeah. sort of breakdown of uh-huh. like the diversity aspect yeah. of things yeah um so i've been using that quite a bit um uh, but i always say that even with our own database itself there's a mm. lot of nuggets in the database absolutely itself. So a Absolutely. lot of people forget the database has, you know, people's emails and mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. information that we mm-hmm. have, it's mm-hmm. there. So yep. there's always going to be that element of cross-referencing of and making sure that we're sort of utilising, um, you know, your LinkedIn and forums and things, but then mm. look at your database because yeah. a lot of the times there might be the candidate's details right then and there. Of course. And you know what? Your database is only as good as how much you use it and how much data you put in there, right? So data integrity is equally important. Dij, this is a bonus question for you, um, is what part of sourcing do you not enjoy? The part of sourcing that I don't enjoy? um, I would say that, I guess, I've seen, being in sourcing now, I've I've seen that if if the people that you're sort of working with are in line as well, Mm, we've got to just make sure that everyone it's it's a team sport. It's not exactly. just part of just sourcing to do the you know grand work and just leave it all up to sourcing. Yeah, team sport. So I feel like if we're all the same in terms of the same rhythm and same wavelength, mm. um, then we're going to get the result. So yeah, um, yeah, and so I, I I guess that initial phase of making sure that um, everyone is kind of um, in line and mm. um, everyone's understands sourcing and that mm. information piece. Yeah. Um, it seems like I'm always echoing it in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Um, so that's the aspect that I just don't enjoy. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. 
and and this is really interesting because I think this is this is something a lot of sources tend to face in their day to day roles is trying to educate not just the business but people as well as that hey this is what we do this is the value we bring hence why this podcast is even existing right now is to sort of bridge those gaps around you know that there is a lot of value in sourcing it's not one or the other it's complementary of you know um the whole talent acquisition ecosystem so yeah look um <laughs> i i could go on about this topic to be honest but ditch this has been phenomenal so we actually at an end of the entire conversation so we are going to drop into the comment section when this goes live on linkedin is some of the tools that you mentioned um dej and obviously you know if there's anything else that we can share with the teams around you know some of your tactics that you're using to branch out into unknown markets we're going to be sharing that as well so dej once again thank you so much for spending your friday afternoon where you could be probably having a beer right now at somewhere in st kilda Uh but yeah thank you so much my friend. Yeah thanks thanks so much thanks um Panda I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries talk to you soon and everybody stay crafty take care. Okay thank Bye. you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. If you found this valuable don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Once again happy sourcing and stay crafty until next time